What's wrong with you people? Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, and if you are looking for trustworthy Christian higher education that equips you to think biblically, reason truthfully, and share God's Word effectively, Texas Baptist College is just the place for you. TBC's focus is Christ-centered, scripture-driven, and student-focused, and the best way to experience TBC is to attend its spring preview day on March 31st. If you come, you'll get to tour the campus, speak with faculty members, chat with fellow students, and experience the unique campus community of Texas Baptist College during Spring Preview Day. And you can register now, today, at texasbaptistcollege.com forward slash preview. I almost didn't get forward slash out. Forward slash preview. Kyle, how are you doing, man? Hey, I'm good, man. It's a wonderful week. And um, after having a day where the wind blew about 70 miles an hour this morning, it's nice and calm. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I mean, uh, weeks, weeks off to a good start. How about you? Yeah, same here. And, and I feel like we, we are entering like that, the, the end of winter, beginning of spring, Man, I hope bipolar so. moment of Texas weather, because <laughs> I think like this week, maybe today, we're get, getting up to 80, and then a couple of days wow. we're going to be down below freezing. And yeah. uh, this is that, that time of year that you really don't know how to dress. Yeah. <laughs> no and, way to really pull it off. And, and for those of you who are not familiar with Texas weather in general, um, it's very finicky, as Matt said. So, I mean, you might have a day, you might have a morning that starts off in the 20s, and by the end of it, you're in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then this time of year, especially in West Texas, like the, the wind kind of always blows here, but, but the spring, it gets especially angry. And uh, my kids are starting tennis and track. And uh, so I remember in high school, lots of those, you know, track meets and tennis meets where, I mean, you're out there in 50 mile an hour wind, which running is in, in that is one thing. It's not fun, but it's doable. Tennis. <laughs> that, that really changes the game when there's a 50 mile an hour wind that's yeah. blowing across the court. Um, well, if if you are not familiar with weather like that, you are familiar with what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> and uh, that is we are continuing our series on why churches die, this time with uh, an article by Bob Bickford, uh, where, where those churches that die focus on transformed behavior, not transformed lives. And he yeah. begins this with an illustration. And, and it's an illustration that if you read it, you probably immediately will think of some names. Most likely at every church you've served, perhaps even multiple ones at churches you are currently serving, whatever it may be. But he tells a story of old Earl, old Earl and his his wife, Mary, uh, who are longtime members of the church. They give faithfully. They teach their Sunday school. They volunteer in the pre-K. They do all of that kind of stuff. Old Earl is a trustee. But one day, especially if you're doing some church revitalization, you're going to make a change. That old Earl and old Miss Mary don't really like. 
When that day comes, Earl's going to slam his hand on the table and start screaming at the top of his lungs. Mary's going to launch her little, you know, I don't know, some kind of afternoon lunch with all the ladies and try and run you out of town. It's just, if it hasn't happened, unfortunately, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's kind of part of of the uh, the world of replanting and revitalization. As you're going to lead and there's going to be some resistance to change. But sometimes when we focus just on transformed behaviors, uh, not lives, we we end up with stuff like this. People that maybe check all of the right boxes, everything about Earl and Mary is by the book. They give, they attend, they bring their Bible, all of that kind of stuff. Um, they may not, may not share the gospel. They do share the gossip, but uh, you know it's you know it's one of those things that is just kind of part of it. And Bob kind of tells that story. We're not going to dig into that because we've all been there. And and as I'm telling the story, uh, y'all already are thinking of some people at your own church in your own experience of this, whatever change you made, you move the piano to the wrong side without asking the right appropriate committee, whatever it might be. Uh, this happens, right? It blows up in your face. The campaigns are launched against you, all of that kind of stuff. It happens. But we want to talk about maybe how to avoid having untransformed lives uh, while these people may check all of the right boxes. And so, uh, because when we're saved from our sins by the power of Jesus Christ, our old self is crucified. We've been set free from sin, not free to sin, <laughs> and, uh, and not free from ever sinning, but we are free from that bondage of sin and called to pursue righteousness and through God's power and the guidance of the Spirit. We can live changed and transformed lives. The old is gone, the new has come, all of that kind of stuff. And we know the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control all, all. Uh, you got to get that extra little. Uh, yeah, it was little nice. I like it. You know, and uh, but, uh, you know, when when push comes to shove and you start to change some things, maybe you reveal that some of those characteristics aren't quite present in the lives of people like old Earl and Miss Mary. Why? Why, Kyle? Number one, they might be under discipled. Number one, they might be under discipled. Kyle, tell us about that. Yeah, so most likely uh, these folks grew up in church, right? So so they grew up going to uh, vacation Bible school. And, um, you know, depending on their age, they may have gone to summer camp. They may have gone to Glorietta over the summer. Um, they might have even gone to college week uh, well, when they were when they were in college. Um, so they've grown up in church. Uh, they probably know the Bible stories. Right. In fact, they've probably taught them maybe even using flannel graphs. Um, but that doesn't mean. That, that they have um, grown in their faith, that they've, they've, they've been discipled to continually die to self, right? And um, that, they've, uh, that they've been discipled to love one another uh, compassionately, right? And so um, in, in most cases, we'll, we'll talk uh, about, about this in just a second. In most cases, I think these folks probably are saved. Uh, they just, they haven't had that mechanism for growing, right? So, so for, for so much, um, like you said, being a faithful member, giving, 
serving when it's called on, um, teaching Sunday school. Those were the marks of spiritual growth. And so if you're doing these things, I think there's probably an assumption that, well, well, yeah, my relationship with Jesus is right. Because look at all the look at all the stuff that I'm doing. Look at how busy I am with church activities. Um, and and as we well know, that does not equate to discipleship, right? That, that does not mean that they are uh, that they've been discipled. It just means that they have um, found places to serve and and found places to plug in, uh, whether they're actually growing or not. Yeah, and and I love that part from the story where where Miss Mary is talking about always being so tired and she's serving all the time, never has a break, and then you finally give her a break and she loses her ever loving mind. Well, yeah, because yeah. in a lot of cases that threatens an identity, right? So so they're finding their identity not in Christ. This goes back to the discipleship element. Not they're not finding necessarily their identity in Christ. They're finding their identity in this is what I do. And so when you talk about eliminating a ministry that they're involved in as part of a, an overall change in church revitalization, church replanting, you're not just taking away something that they do. You're taking away, you could be taking away a key part of their identity. And that's why it, it becomes such a personal thing when, you know, you ask them to step aside and, and, and why, you know, trying to raise up new leaders can even be so controversial. Yeah, and and this is why I think it's vitally important uh, as kind of a free pro tip. Make sure you know a lot of times a lot of what we do as a as a church, right? The different activities, the music, the Sunday schools, all of that kind of stuff, is for uh, the lion's share of your church members. Uh, you know, right? All the ones that are that are attending, not necessarily giving back uh, in a sense of serving and all of that. And that's a conversation for another day. But specifically for this, make sure those that are leading that stuff, you know, the the volunteer praise team members, the Sunday school teachers, especially those nursery workers, all of that kind of stuff, that you have some way to pour into them, too. Uh, Because if they're just giving, 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 obviously there's some kind of discipleship that's happening as they're studying their Sunday school quarterlies, all of that kind of stuff but also some time where you can pour into them. And so whether that's you or somebody uh, that you can can kind of task with that, of making sure that those people that are serving regularly in all of these capacities, that they're also being intentionally discipled and poured into as well, so that we can avoid, if you are being under-discipled, you are probably going to be spiritually stagnant, which is a second one. Number two is they might just be spiritually stagnant. That is certainly going to be a, you know, a byproduct of if you're under-discipled and, and not kind of being pushed into that active obedience and relationship with Christ, all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so maybe, just maybe, because of that, they become spiritually stagnant, even though they're doing all of this stuff. They're leading on Sunday, they're teaching, they're putting out the coffee, all of that kind of stuff, but they're spiritually stagnant or even growing close to like almost bankruptcy when it comes to that, because they don't have that uh, kind of that intentional pouring into by someone else. So talk to us about number two, they may be spiritually stagnant. Yeah. And and this is coupled, I think, with the discipleship element, right? Because um discipleship is an ongoing process. Like you never, you never hit the point where you're, where you don't need to be further discipled, right? Where where you don't need to be further sanctified. Um, but yeah, you're right. If, if they're constantly 
pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, and and never being refreshed. Um, that creates its own thing. I, I I think the other side of this too is if, if folks are afraid of them, they're never going to call them on the carpet when when actions may be sinful, when when they've done something that they actually need to repent of, and and without um, without having that softness to to repent, um, your heart's going to be hardened, right? And and as we well know, hard hearts lead to stagnant spiritual lives. And when you have people in positions of leadership whose spiritual lives are stagnant, um, I just, that, that creates conflict um, because when you begin talking about revival, when you begin talking about revitalization, that requires change. And, and the, a lot of times the, the biggest change that needs to happen is spiritual, right? So, so more so than, hey, we, we want to change the color of the carpet. We want to change from pews to chairs. The, the bigger issues are the spiritual sides of those, right? We, we, want to, uh, we want to position ourselves to be able to reach the neighborhood, to reach people with the gospel. Um, and even if that's the end goal, if you're spiritually stagnant, you, you can, even if you wouldn't verbalize this, you can still have this um, attitude towards that that says, I don't care. I don't want to change, right? I don't care if this reaches more people. I don't care if it means more, more souls coming into the kingdom of God. I don't want to change, period. And that's where, I mean, we, we literally heard this before, right? I would rather our church die than whatever, right? Than change the music, than, um, than move from pews to chairs, than, than change the color of the carpet, then change the time that we meet on Sunday mornings. You can insert almost anything there, and someone has probably said it, right? But that reveals a hardness of heart and a stagnant spiritual life that says, no matter what the impact may be, no matter if this means reaching kids in our neighborhood with the gospel, I don't want to change. Yeah. And, uh, and also before we move to the third and final one, uh, make sure you are being mm. discipled and, and you yes. are kind of taking care of your spiritual vitality as well. And, uh, and that requires some accountability, maybe a mentor or somebody else that can pour into you. Uh, because a lot of stuff is going to fall on your shoulders. And if you grow spiritually stagnant, uh, something like an Earl or Mary situation may end up you fight fire with fire and uh, because you're just not at a very spiritual uh, place in your own life and, uh, and not focusing on some of those fruits of the Spirit. So uh, take, take care of yourself, too. Uh, as you are focusing on old, old Earl and Miss Mary. <laughs> so uh, number three, uh, this is the one that maybe we don't quite want to talk about, uh, but it could be true. And uh, it's they might not be regenerate, might not even be saved. Uh, it's controversial to think that, to say that, um, offensive perhaps, but it could be the case. And uh, because maybe they walked an aisle, maybe they said a prayer, maybe they've given, they obviously have given of their time, all of that kind of stuff, that they're there every week, maybe more than anybody else. Uh, but Christ is not in them. And, uh, and so let's, let's talk about that one perhaps carefully because Earl, Mar Earl and Mary may be tuning in. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and here's the harsh reality, right? Uh, number one, I, I don't think you want to jump to this 
um, immediately, right? Right off the bat. Like this is step one. This step one, baby. You need to be saved and 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 then and then you need to be baptized because we need we need some people in the baptistry. We need we need to boost our ACP numbers. So so if you can convince them that they're not saved. But but here's the truth, right? I think we have people in our pews or chairs who have accepted the church as their Lord and Savior, but maybe have never accepted the Lord of the church as their Lord and Savior. Um, and when we talked about this a little bit earlier, right, where folks constantly find their identity in the stuff they do in the church and will define themselves by, well, I'm involved in this, I'm involved in this, I'm involved in this. And so when you threaten that, it the reason it may affect their identity and the reason they may get so upset when you threaten to take that thing away, because that might be the thing that they've really accepted as their Lord and Savior is the church and the work they do, and they've never truly come to faith in Christ. Yeah. As I said, you don't want to jump to this right off the bat, right? But if there is a pattern, <clears throat> excuse me, a pattern of um, refusing to repent, a pattern of refusing to admit sinful actions, then you have to at least consider this as a possibility. And and maybe just ask, you know, tell me about your your salvation story. Tell me about how you came to know Christ. And and if you all you hear is well you know I grew up in church and um, I, I've I've been involved in church ever since and I've been teaching if if all you hear is stuff that they've done then that's probably a good indication that they don't uh, truly understand what it means to repent of sins and trust in Christ. Yeah, because after all, we're saved by grace through faith, not our Sunday school teaching, not yep. our church attendance, not our tithe check, none of those things, uh, but by grace through faith. And uh, so Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. At that all. was a good line by Bob. Uh, I don't know if that's unique to Bob or or what, but that's going to be unique to Matt pretty soon because I'm going to be stealing <laughs> that, baby. Uh, so, you know, your church may have uh, some folks like Earl or Mary. Like I said before, you probably immediately thought of some folks that would fit these kind of markers. Uh, but when they occupy positions of leadership or influence, when they are the decision makers, the, you know, the chairman of the personnel committee, all of that kind of stuff, the gatekeepers, uh, that it makes it really hard to, to change. And, but it's also probably if you have that, uh, and you are declining, uh, or not growing now, you know why, if you didn't know already. And, uh, so there's going to be. Uh, a follow-up uh, article to this. Uh, I don't know if it's from Bob. You could say that, but uh, that's going to be coming uh, next week, uh, raising the level of discipleship in a declined church. And I don't know if we'll dig into that, but that's one you need to look at or look for on the North American Mission Board website uh, at the replant page. So Kyle, any other final thoughts before we lay uh, Earl and Mary to to rest uh, metaphorically? <laughs> No, I would say it's it's one thing if you have Earls and Marys singing in your choir. It's another if you have Earl as your chairman of deacons, right? I mean, that, that's going to create a whole different dynamic here. And so, uh, again, you want to treat them with grace, right? You, you don't want to respond in kind, even if they, you know, burst out and, and act inappropriately. You want to continue to treat them with grace. Um, but you also uh, need to be aware of of the three things that we talked about they might be under under discipled they might be 
uh, spiritually stagnant. And then the last one is they, they really might be unregenerate if, if there is no willingness to repent, no willingness to change at all. Um, and don't go into these conversations alone, right? This is why you have AMSs. This is why, um, you know, other, other church members, other church leaders who probably are well aware as, as well, you can lean on them to help you um, confront, yes, but also disciple and walk alongside your Earls and Marys as well. Yeah. You might end up having Earl and Mary as your biggest cheerleaders if That's you right. play your cards correctly. Uh, yep. By the Spirit's help, by a whole lot of grace and, and God's sheer favor, uh, Earl and, and Mary may just end up being uh, critical, uh, not in critical to you, but critical in the growth of your yep. church, not critical of the growth of your church. And that's ultimately what we want to pray for and uh, pray towards. And uh, so, so anyway, uh, we love you guys. We, we know <laughs> we've been there. Kyle and I were, were sharing our own Earls and Marys before we went live and decided we'd like our employment as it is now. And so we didn't <laughs> want to share that live. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, we hope you have a great day and until next time, Kyle, what do they need to do? Uh, until next time, they need to drink coffee that is stronger than the wind in West Texas. <laughs> there, there you go. All <laughs> right, man. Have a good day. What's wrong with you people?